0: We're going to, I want to preach to you for just a little while this morning on this topic the worshiper and the warrior. Would you say that with me? The worshiper and the warrior. Let me read from Exodus, the 24th chapter, starting with verse 13. So Moses arose with his assistant Joshua. And Moses went up to the mountain of God. Everybody say, Moses and Joshua went to the mountain of God. And he said to the elders, "Wait here for us until we come back to you. Indeed, Aaron and her are with you. If any man has a difficulty, let him go to them." Then Moses went up into the mountain, and a cloud covered the mountain. So Moses went into the midst of the cloud. And went up into the mountain, and Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word because it's life. We just ask you to have your way today. God, speak to our hearts, God, and transform us by your power. And we give you thanks for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So, if I can bring out Moses and Joshua you want to run back there and check on them and see if they're okay. Are they okay? Are they there? How come they're not coming out? (laughs) Just a minute. There they are. Okay. Here we go. Come on down, Moses. If you would stand here. Thank you. Joshua. Stand. There, no, no, right here to his back. So let me see if I can paint a picture for you. Children of Israel have come out of Egypt. God's getting ready to speak to them and he's going to lay out his law. Everybody say the law. The law. How many of you have ever been responsible for breaking the law? Wave your hand if you've ever been responsible for breaking the law. Okay, sir, you can come in and arrest them all. No, I'm kidding. You, we've, we've all done it, haven't we? Now, now let me, let me clarify what I said. I said, how many of you have ever been responsible for breaking the law? I didn't say how many of you ever got caught breaking the law. So some of you that have been driving 65 and at 40 and never got caught Your day's coming. (laughs) Believe me, because I've seen my day already come and go. And so here's the thing is we've all transgressed, haven't we? But think, you know, and and we we tend to forget about how important the law was to us because the law pointed out sin. We wouldn't have known sin. Everybody say, "I, I didn't know. Now, is it important for us to know sin? Well, yeah, because think about it. If, 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 if the law didn't point it out, then if, if the law didn't say thou shalt not steal, or if there was no law in the books today that was against stealing, guess what's happening? Everybody's robbing everybody, and there's, there, there's no perimeter to protect you. So the law wasn't a, a taskmaster over you. It was trying to create a wall around you to protect you. Moses is about to receive the law. He's got some estimates anywhere from two to three million people out in that wilderness. And and how many of you know utter chaos could ensue if, if there isn't some perimeter, if there's not some type of safeguard around them. And so God does that for us. It's kind of like what we do for our children, right? How many of you have ever told your children, do not eat that candy before supper? And they think what? They think you're a bad guy. When, and they don't understand that what you're trying to do is make sure that they're nourished and that, they, that they're getting something good in them before they start eating candy. And that's kind of the way it is with us. I remember places where I used to go, you know, and everybody's shouting and bouncing off the walls, but there wasn't much word in anybody. And so the danger is is that you've got to have a worshiper and a warrior. You've got to have someone that can enter into the presence of God and someone that can stand up to fight off the enemy. They come together and they get ready to go into this mountain and Moses told Aaron and her that you guys stay down, or he tells the elders, he said, "You stay down here." He said, "You've got Aaron and her with you. If there's a problem that comes up, you can see them." And they go up and, and this always I've been fascinated by this in the study, is because Joshua, wherever you see Moses, Joshua's tagging along. He's hanging out there. How long is Moses in the cloud? How long? 40 days in a cloud. How many of you feel like you've spent a good part of your life in a cloud? Praise God, somebody's in a cloud. How many of you ever felt like you just spent, what, what'd you do back there, Pastor? Well, I was just going to look to see if I could create a cloud. But the smoke machine's off, so I can't. So, so here's, here's the deal, is that he's in that cloud Joshua goes with him. But if you read the scripture, the scripture said that Moses went into the cloud. Not Joshua. Joshua's hanging out on the edge of the cloud. Now, there's a reason he's not in the clouds. Because God didn't call him into the cloud yet. How many of you know you've got to be ready for the cloud? You've got to be prepared to enter the cloud. So Moses goes into the cloud, and I thought about this. For 40 days, Joshua is hanging out right by the cloud, man, looking at the cloud, wondering about the cloud, thinking, what a cloud. I mean, you know, and, and he, there's a part of him, I believe, that longs to be in that cloud, but he just keeps waiting patiently. Are we there yet? How many of you have ever heard that on a drive? You know what I'm talking about? Are, are, are we there yet? And how many of you had it kind of get on your nerves after a while? I mean, you know, you get, you, you've got a six-hour drive and you get 30 minutes down the road. Are we there yet? No, and you ain't going to make it if you keep saying that. <laughs> What I'm saying is this, is we can get impatient and and then all of a sudden we we get impatient not only to get there quick, but we can get impatient with those that are anticipating arriving and keep asking the questions. Aren't you glad that you can't wear out God's patience? (laughs) I mean, think about it. Look in the book of Isaiah. He he talks to them and he, he he says, Do you do you really? I think it's the 40th chapter. He starts talking to him and he said, Do you do you think you can wear me out? Do you think you can just wear me down? That his mercy's brand new every morning. And so all of a sudden he's in that cloud, but something happens. As they're in the cloud, how many of you have ever heard the saying, when the cats, I mean when the yeah, when the cats away. Y'all got some mice, huh? (laughs) When the cats weigh, the mice will play. And so Moses is up there and back in the camp, man, all of a sudden they start looking and they see the cloud from a distance. You see, the further you are away from God, the easier it is for you to dabble in other stuff. Joshua is right up there by that cloud. He ain't about to act out. But these folks are down away from the cloud. They're looking up in the mountain. They said, look, man, it's been 40 days. We don't know what happened to Moses. And they start acting up. And as they're acting up, Moses comes out of that mountain and he starts back down. They they start back down the mountain. And as they start down the mountain, Joshua stops and he says, I hear the sound of war. Everybody say it with me. I hear the sound of war. Think about this. But Moses said, it's not the sound of war I hear. It's not the sound of victory or the cry of defeat I hear. I hear people singing. Worshippers and warriors always interpret things differently. Joshua interprets the noise like there's a battle going on and he's got his sword ready. Moses interprets the noise that there are people down there singing and worshiping. And they were worshiping, but they were worshiping. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I'm going to take that that's a sign. That they're they're, they're worshiping God and, I mean, they're not worshiping God. And so as they go down, do you understand that however your turn is, whatever your slant is, is the way that you're going to approach life and you're going to relate to life. How many of you have got a hot head? Okay, that's good, guys. Revival's coming. So, here's here's what you got to get a hold of. If you're given to the battle, if you're given to war, then every way you respond is usually in a Clint Eastwood type way. Go ahead. Make my day. But if you're given to, like, come up here a minute, Debbie. See, if If you look at Debbie and I, you see a worshiper and warrior and and what you see is i 'm usually the one that 's always very kind hearted and tender and and given to <laughs> what's the deal with that See, some people are are just molded more toward that worship aspect and that opening their heart to God and being able to hear God in a different way than other people hear God. And there are some people that are very protective and, and that they, they, they're just kind of constructed different and they, they, they operate differently, they think differently, they move differently, and they act differently. They're quick to defend and they're quick to protect. And others are quick to forgive. Thank you. I'll let you figure out which one's which. <laughs> so now here's what's going on. You see, we need a worshiper in a warrior. Joshua set on the outskirt of that cloud for 40 days. God told Moses, now think about this. They get down. You remember what happens? They go down and what's going on in the camp? They're worshiping idols, right? And man, these people, and Moses is so upset. Worshippers can get upset if you push them far enough. And all of a sudden, <laughs> Moses has the Ten Commandments in his He's got tablets that God wrote on. He's so upset. He throws those things down. He grabs Aaron. Where are you at? Aaron and her, Come on out here. Hurry. Whoever's Aaron, come down here. Are you Aaron? You're Aaron? Okay. So come down here. Moses grabs Aaron. Looks at him and said, What did this people do to you that made you make a golden idol like that? And that's exactly what Aaron does. Aaron says, Oh no, no, it wasn't me. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. You know how these folks are. And and, and they they were, you know, they said you're gone. And so I was just trying to respond. You know, I stopped trying to save my own skin. And and they gave me all their golden earrings and I threw it in the fire and this golden calf popped out. You lie, you fry. The scripture said that he molded it. How many of you know that there are times in our life when we find ourselves in a situation where we're not in tune the way we need to be in tune and we end up making some stuff that we wish to good we or we wished we had never made. We form some things in our lives that we wish we'd never formed and it's all because we get in a panic. But if God is for us, who, my friend, can be against us? And so he, he goes in, man, he, he breaks that golden idol up. He makes them drink it all, and, and then they go on their journey. Step up there a minute, guys. As they go on their journey, all of a sudden, a day comes when they're attacked. Everybody say Amalek. <laughs> they're, attack, they're attacked by the Amalekites. Now, how many of you know who Amalek is? Amlech is the grandson of Esau. And so there's a fight going on in the family. Are you with me? How many of you have ever had, well, let's not get into that. But how many of you know that sometimes family feuds can be the worst feuds? And so there's, and and here's, do you know how Amlech attacked them? How the Amalekites came in, they snuck up in behind them and they attacked them from the rear, killing those that were the weakest. Because those that were the weakest would be those that were in behind, the the children and the women and the elderly. So they showed no mercy and and Moses grabs Joshua and he gets the people together and he tells Joshua, he said, now tomorrow, step up here and say, he says, tomorrow, he said, you're going to go out. You gather you up some men because tomorrow you're going to go out and you're going to fight the Amalekites. So Joshua gathers up the men. Joshua was always ready for a fight, man. So he gathers up the men. Moses goes to the mountain. When he gets up there, all of a sudden the battle breaks out. Moses has his hands lifted up and Joshua is defeating the Amalekites. He's going full force. But all of a sudden Moses starts to get tired and his hands begin to get weary. And he he drops his hands down and Joshua begins to get defeated. So what Aaron and her do is they put him in a seat and they lift his hands up. And when his hands go up, Joshua feels the battle change to his favor. He goes through. Take it easy there, Junior. <laughs> okay. He goes through. He goes, all right, Joshua, you've won the battle, son. Take it easy. <laughs> Give him a hand. Woo. <laughs> Here's my point. is You can't win the war with just a warrior. You need to have a worshiper out there. And you can't win the war with just a worshiper. You need to have a warrior out there. You got to have the ability to be able to raise your hands and love God and have a backbone that'll stand up to the enemy and say, I don't care what you say. I'm going to stand on the promise of God. If he said it, I can do it. And that settles it. We've got to put together a body of people that are worshipers and warriors. So it, something unique happened. Worshippers can't stand on their own. He grew weary. And men gathered around him because they recognized something. We need each other. Aaron could have said, well, you know, let Moses just, I'll, do, I'll raise my hands. We need one another. How effective is a battle if we're leaving our wounded behind? We need each other. Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, I need you. Now look at him and you'll get more joy out of this. Look at him and say, You need me. We need each other, don't we? We've got to have one another for that battle. So, this is, let, I, I, I want to take a look at what happens. When you have one without the other. So if you if Joshua, if you'll go to the back and Aaron and her, you can let his hands down now. And I want to take Moses on a trip with me. So if you gentlemen will just step to the back for a second. You see, there's a time that Moses needed to get his fight back. There was a time in this worshipper's life that he was fearful. And he'd given, oh, he had a fight when he was a young guy, 40 years old in Egypt, he's killing Egyptians and burying them in the sand. But then when it's found out and Pharaoh finds out, Moses runs. And he spends the next 40 years of his life hiding. He's on the backside of a desert for 40 years. 40 years. And then all of a sudden, one day he's out and he's got the sheep and he sees this bush on fire. And he's amazed at it. And he says, I'm going to go up and check that bush out. And when he starts to go up, he hears a voice and it says, don't come any further. And he said, you take your shoes off because the ground you're standing on is holy ground. And Moses looks and God begins to speak to Moses. He said, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He said, I've heard the cries of the children of Israel and I've come down to deliver them. So I want you... Everybody say, I want you to go to Egypt and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. What was Moses' response? Did Moses go, all right, I've been waiting for this. No. Is he excited about the prospect of going? No. Why? Because Moses has made the dreadful mistake that we all make from time to time. He is focused on himself instead of on God. He has focused on his failure. Oh, I know he's talking about a speech and we'll get to that in a second, but there's more going on inside that heart. There's a buried Egyptian, he's a fugitive. It's kind of like Onesimus felt when Paul told him to go back to the house of Philemon. You're sending me back to someone that wanted to take my life. But we either believe that God can keep us or we don't. And so Moses begins to Offer excuse. Well, man, if I go tell them that you sent me, who am I even supposed to say? What if they ask what your name is? And God responds to him. God, listen, God doesn't get wore out or God doesn't change his mind because of your arguments. <laughs> well, God, what you know, who am I supposed to even say? Sent me. He said, You just tell him I am that I am sent you. Well, but okay, okay. But what, what and he said, look, he said, not only, not only do I want you to say I am that I am sent you, but I'm going to tell you up front that Pharaoh isn't going to let these people go. He makes the statement... And he tells him, he said, look, they're going to try and Pharaoh's going to try and hold on to you. He said, but I'm going to come down in my power. I'm going to show Pharaoh who I am. I'm going to show up in Egypt with my plagues. And he lays out all this stuff. As a matter of fact, he says, but I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand forces him. So I will raise my hand and strike the Egyptians, performing all kinds of miracles among them. Then at last, he'll let you go and I'll cause the Egyptians to look favorably on you, they'll give you gifts when you go so you won't leave empty handed you're going to go out with their silver and their gold, you're going to spoil them Moses looked at him and said "All right, I'm ready to go God but instead that's what we think, but instead he said but what if they don't believe me what if they say that the Lord hasn't appeared to me He's still focused on him. And he says, well, I'll tell you what. He said, if that happens, he said, that staff that's in your hand, that rod. See, here's the deal. Think about this because it's unique how God gives us object lessons that we never even think about. A worthless stick, he feels worthless. He says, take that stick that's in your hand that you feel like is worthless and let me show you what I can do with things that appear to be worthless when you release it to me. And so he throws the stick down. And when he did that, stick became a serpent. And he said, pick, I was working on this one, but I couldn't quite get it. He said, <laughs> and he said, he said, reach down and pick that thing up now. And he reaches down and he picks that up by the tail. And it becomes a staff again in his hand. And now God's not done yet because he knows this boy is on a guilt trip. And he says, now you take your hand and you put it inside your, your, your robe there. And when he pulls it out... His hand is leprous, man. It just turned white with leprosy. And he looks at him. He said, now put it back in there. And when he puts it back in, he pulls it out and his hand is whole. He said, and if that's not enough for him, then you go down to the Nile River and turn it into blood. He tells him, and, and, and now Moses, man, having seen the serpent and, and, and seen that this rod God could use and having seen him transform his hand, and now he's thinking, surely God can use me. No, he's not. As a matter of fact, now he says to him, he says, look, God, can't you please send somebody else? I mean, I don't speak very well. I didn't speak good before you got here. I haven't spoke well after you showed up. I'm, it's there. Just read. It's in different translation. And then he, he looks at me and says, and now God, how many of you have ever gotten a little tired of hearing your children make a bunch of excuses all the time? You know, or, you're, or, or if you're a, a boss, your workers making excuses, you know, or, you know, however it plays out in your life. <laughs> God comes quietly to Moses and says, didn't I make man's mouth? Don't I make man deaf, and don't I make him to hear? Don't I cause him to speak? What's wrong with you, Moses? Well, he didn't say it quite like that, but he was getting the point across. And he said, I'm going to go with you. I'll be with you. And and so now, having with God, having, you know, and, and now Moses is, please send somebody else. Now, hear what I'm going to say. God understood his fear he refused to change his mind but he said I'll send somebody to help you and so Aaron comes he said I know Aaron can speak well he said but Aaron's just going to be your spokesperson you're still going to do the work and for the next several weeks he would take that useless rod, that rod that had no power on its own, and he would display the hand of God with that rod. You may have felt like your life doesn't count, that it doesn't matter, that you can't do anything. Moses had to get the fight back in him. And by the time it was over, And Egypt is coming behind them and the Red Sea is in front of them. And he looked at the people and he said, stand still, for today you'll see the salvation of the Lord. And then he turns out and he cries to God. And God says, why are you crying to me? Don't you understand what I gave you? Why are you still fearing? I showed you what I can do through you. If you'll just become a vessel for me to use. Listen to what God says. He said, you speak that the children of Israel may go forward. There comes a day in your life when you have to quit backing up and start standing up. There comes a time in your life where you have to declare a thing. You have to speak a thing out and allow him to cause those things that are not to become those things that are. And so he learns from that battle. Okay, thank you guys. Now, so we see that there's a time that Moses has a struggle with becoming, with getting his fight back, with becoming a warrior. But there's also a time when there's a young man that has a hard time becoming a worshiper. Moses dies. And God speaks to Joshua, and he said, Moses, my servant's dead. Now, you go forward. You're going to lead this people, only you don't be discouraged or afraid. You're going to do what I've instructed you to do. And so they get to this place called Jericho that had never been penetrated. And he's told him what he's supposed to do. But the night before, was out in the camp and he sees this guy come in holding a sword. And his first response is immediately he swings around and looks at that man. And he said, are you for us or against us? And the man looked at him and he said, I'm neither for you or against you. I've come as a captain of the Lord's armies. And Moses, Moses and <laughs> Joshua, falls on his face. Matter of fact, this is so good. Let me give it to you right out of the book. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him, said, are you for us or for our adversaries? He said, no, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth. Here it is, and worship. Sometimes you've got to take time out of the battle to worship. There's a song that came out years ago said, deep inside this armor, the warrior is a child. They don't know that I go running home when I'm knocked down. They don't know who picks me up when no one is around. I drop my sword and I cry for just a while. Because deep inside this armor, the warrior is a child. He's got so much on him. He's trying to fill the shoes of Moses. The man that the scripture describes that I'm going to raise up a prophet like unto Moses, which would be Jesus. He's trying to fill those shoes and God's trying to let him know Moses was a man. The reason that Mo- he wasn't there when Moses was in the wilderness looking at the bush and saying, I can't do this. I can, I'm not able. Please, you've got to send somebody else. Joshua didn't see that. He saw a man that always seemed to be in possession of his faculties, that always believed God, that always stood on the word of God, but he didn't realize what it took to get him there. He hung out by him. When God came back, and after that scene where they had given themselves over to worship that idol, the Lord spoke to Moses and said, You go on and possess the land that I told you, but I'm not going to go with you because if I come into your camp, I'm liable to kill everybody. So, what's Moses do? Moses picked up his tent and he walked outside the camp. He said, Fine, God, if you're not going to come where I am, then I'm going to go where you are. Oh, I I need to say that one more time. If you can't come where I am, then I'm going to go where you are. We got too many people today trying to get God to meet them or to meet them on their terms. They want God to come to them on their terms. God said, Look, I'm not going in there. I'm not going into that situation. So Moses said, Fine. Then I'll pack my tent and I'll go where you're at. And when he took that tent out of that camp, guess who showed up? Now hit that fog all of a sudden that cloud started rolling down and it rolled there and and Moses went into that tent and the cloud covered that tent and everybody in Israel went out and looked and the Bible said they worshiped. But there's a young man that's out there and he's standing outside that tent. Moses is inside. There's a cloud on the outside and Joshua's got to be thinking, I wonder what it's like to be in the glory of that cloud. I wonder what it means to be able to stand in the glory of God. To have God speak to you face to face like a man speaks to his friend. Moses would come out of the tabernacle, go back into the camp and tell the people what God said. But the Bible said that Joshua remained at that tabernacle, at that tent. Made me wonder if he was going, God, please, please. Touch me that way. I don't want to spend my life just going to church. I don't want to spend my life just sitting on a pew or sitting in a chair and just hearing about God. I want to experience God. And if I've got to pack up my tent and go to where he's at, if I've got to be willing to lay down my stuff, if I've got to lay down, some of us say, no, 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 no. God, you got to, God loves me as I am exactly. He loves you just as you are. If, you, if, if you're a thief, if you're, if you're a homosexual, if you're a drug addict, he loves you just as you are. But he loves you too much to leave you the way he found you. So he changes us when we come to him. And so Joshua now has found himself in the presence of God. Except this time he didn't show up like a cloud. (laughs) See, we get God all figured out in our head and then God lets us realize I don't always come the way you think I'm going to come. And he's worshiping. Everybody say worshiping. It takes both a worshiper and a warrior to win the battle. Thank you, give them a hand, would you? Let me borrow your sword. Give them another hand. they deserve it. We need a worshiper and warrior. Our first encounter with, anybody think of a worshiper and a warrior? Did you ever hear of David? Our first encounter with David reveals him as a worshiper. Samuel. When Samuel goes to anoint one of Jesse's sons, he doesn't, he's not told who he's supposed to anoint. So he goes in and he has all of Jesse's sons pass before him. And Eliab is built good. You know, he, he's got it going on. And Samuel looks at Eliab and he's impressed with his physical appearance and thinks, this is surely the one that God wants me to anoint king. But the Lord said to Samuel, this is in 1 Samuel 16, 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then in chapter 17, then Saul sent to Jesse saying, please let David stand before me. For he's found favor in my sight. And so it was whenever the spirit of God or the spirit from God was upon Saul that David would take a harp and play it with his hand. Then Saul would become refreshed and well and the distressing spirit would depart from him. The first time you see David, he's not a warrior. The first time you get acquainted with David, he's a worshiper. This happens before he's ever met Goliath. Goliath. He's not known for his ability to draw a sword. He's known for his ability to worship God. Isn't it strange that all of a sudden this man that's a worshiper all of a sudden, when the tides turn and an enemy comes in, Goliath, nine feet and nine inches tall, that has kept the army of Israel at bay, and everybody afraid that when the worshiper steps into the camp and he looks at this giant, that his first response is, Who does this uncircumcised Philistine think he is to find the armies of the living God? I'm telling you, when you've spent time in worship, it'll cause a a warrior uh, to come alive inside of you. Uh, and so the first thing that happens is Saul's trying to give David. He Saul goes out and he said, don't be afraid, king. He said, look, I'll, t- I'll go out and I'll take care of this guy. He said, you're not able to do that. He said, listen, I had some sheep and this lion showed up and this bear showed up and they tried to eat my sheep. When I got done with them, they weren't fit to be. S-. Well, he didn't say it like that. He said, the Lord delivered them into my hand. He said, I went out and grabbed them by the beard and slew them. I, can I put it in plain English? I went out and tore them up. And the same God that delivered that lion and that bear into my hand will deliver that giant. And so he gives David a sword, his armor. And David's trying to use it, you know. He hasn't, he hasn't, he, he hasn't used a sword. Ooh. I'm going to put that right. Oh, you know, just, he's not used to this. Why is it that we feel like we've got to be like somebody else? Why is it that we always try and find ourselves doing what someone else is doing? Why not let God speak to your heart and use you in that unique gift that he's given you? And so David, he said, look, I can't do that, man. I don't know how to use that stuff. But I I got this sling here, and I can see Saul going, you got to be kidding me. You're getting ready to go out and face that giant down with a sling in your hand. And when Goliath sees him, Goliath even is laughing him off. Are you kidding? He starts cursing David by his gods. Am I some kind of a dog that you send some kid out here with a stick in his hand? Come on out here, boy. I'm going to tear you up. David was never afraid. Because David had spent time in the presence of God. When the worshiper and the warrior come together, a kingdom is established. When the worshiper and the warrior, can I put this just in plain English so I don't have to keep going back up there to read Scripture? I'll give you all the Scripture references if you want to read it. But it'll make it go a lot better for me if I can just tell you what happened. God takes this kid that had been watching over sheep and makes him a king. And David's sitting in his palace one day and he looks up and he sees the magnificence of his palace and he calls Nathan the prophet in and he said, I sat in a palace of cedar and wood. And the ark of God, that that symbolizes the presence of the Lord, is sitting under a tent. David wanted to build God a house. And Nathan told him, you do what's in your heart. But Nathan no more gets out of this presence than God speaks to him and says, you go back and tell David this. So he goes back and he tells David, I'm going to paraphrase, all right. God speaks to David and said, look, man, I got you. When you were taking care of sheep and I've defeated all your enemies and I've given you this throne and I've caused you to have a great name among all the nations and and you want to build a house for me? (laughs) He said, when did I ever ask anybody to build me a house? He said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. He said, you want to build a house for me? I'm going to build a house for you. And I'm going to establish it forever. So there's not going to fail from a king from your bloodline to sit on the throne. And I'm going to cause it to be eternal. I guess nobody understands where Jesus came from. (laughs) And so the final king from David's lineage, is the Christ, the Messiah, Jesus. (laughs) David goes in before God and he begins to pray. And he said, what can I say, God? He said that you've taken it in your heart to do this for your servant. All I can say is let it be according to your word. Let it happen. Establish my house. Do you understand that when you've got a king, when you've got a worshiper and a warrior, it establishes a kingdom. How many of you want your household to be established? How many of you want to see what happens when all of a sudden you let the worshiper and the warrior come alive in you? Say, Pastor, how can I do that? I'm I'm wrapping up. Everybody just hang out here. Well, if you want to find out how to do that, Hebrews said, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Well, what do you see when you look to Jesus? You see him in a garden, getting ready to face the biggest battle of his life, and he's worshiping. He's praying. He's saying, God, if there's any way, let this pass from me. But he surrenders His will to the will of God. The reason some of us have never found our house established is because we're not willing to surrender. Oh, I love you on my terms, and I'll serve you under these conditions. But the terms and conditions that God had chose for Christ were not favorable to him. But he said, I surrender. And the Bible said that angels came and ministered to him. That when he surrendered, God began to equip him. And then all of a sudden when an army comes into that garden and they're getting ready to take them out and take them away and Jesus steps up and Jesus doesn't fade back from the battle. He doesn't begin to He stepped out and he met them and he said, who are you looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I am he. And he laid an entire band of soldiers. According to commentary, it had to be at least 400 men that makes up a band of soldiers. He put them on the ground. And you've heard me say it before. The word that put them on the ground could have put them under the ground. He shows them. What he had already told them, no man takes my life from me. I'm going to lay it down and I'm going to pick it back up. That's the promise my daddy made me. And so when we find ourselves in that spot where we're trying to become that worshiper and the warrior, we've got to look at Jesus And Jesus told us in John, but the hour is coming, and now is when the true worshiper will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God's a spirit, and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Worship brings intimacy. Let's look at that word intimacy. In to me see. Worship causes you to become transparent before God. Look into me. Got to worship him in spirit and truth. Can't worship him with just your head. That symbolizes truth, that knowledge you understand. Can't do it with just understanding. You've got to open up your heart and let him in. Somebody say, here I am, God. If you're dating someone, come here. I'm almost done. I, I, I love her. Kiss me on my head. It's the only place I, I let her kiss me is on my head. Because I, I know that she loves me. Go ahead. And I, you know and, and, and that's enough. Really? You're just going to hang out with God from your head? Or are you going to say, I sure do love you? <laughs> <Kiss me. laughs> she goes <laughs> she said kiss me No. okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll take this up later so <laughs> so what I'm saying is this is that when God when when we approach God we've got to give him all of us we've got to give him the worshiper in us and we've got to give him the warrior in us We've got to learn how the battle is ordered. And the way we learn how the battle is ordered is through Paul's words to us in Ephesians. Everybody say three minutes. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in heavenly places. Therefore put on every piece of god's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil then after the battle you'll be standing firm stand your ground putting on the belt of truth the body armor of god's righteousness for shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared in addition to all these hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit which is the word of god pray in the now here check this out pray in the spirit at all times in every occasion stay alert be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere when you worship you're doing battle like you don't even realize you're doing when you get down on your knees and you begin to pray, you are slaying a horde of demons. When all of a sudden you, that's why we've been meeting at 714 every morning. Every morning at 714, when we drop down on our knees and pray, I say to God, God, I've come to you today with a host of believers that have agreed together and we're standing on the promise of your word. That if your people, which are called by your name, will humble themselves and pray and seek your face and turn from the wicked way. Then you'll hear from heaven, heal their sin, or forgive their sin and heal their land. So I say, God, we humble ourselves before you. We ask your forgiveness. Turn us away from any we evil or wickedness in our hearts. And God, fulfill your word, heal our land. And it has to start with us. Everybody say with us. I need a volunteer. See, some folks aren't real. I remember there was a guy by the name of Blondin, and he was was standing out over the Niagara Falls. And he'd walked over the Niagara Falls before by himself, and he came back, and the crowd is cheering. This is is true. This is history. He says, all, all of a sudden, he grabs a wheelbarrow, and he said, how many of you believe that I can push this wheelbarrow across this line? And they all yelled, we believe, we believe. He said, how many believe that I could put a, person in this wheelbarrow and push him over the falls in this line. And they all yell, we believe, we believe. And he said, I need a volunteer. <laughs> One man stepped forward and and put him in the wheelbarrow and took him over the falls. Faith is an action word. It's not enough just to say, I believe. We have to act on it. When we become both worshiper and warrior, the kingdom is established in our hearts. God said that David was a man that was after his own heart. David's relationship with God secured helped to secure his family's future. We can help secure our family by teaching them to worship and the way to fight. David told Goliath when he showed up, he said, You come to me with a sword, a shield, and a spear. But I come to you in the name of the Lord, of host the God of Israel. And this day he'll deliver you into my hand. He said, For the battle is the Lord's. Everybody say that with me. The battle is the Lord's. If, you, if we recognize that, if we understand that, then we're not afraid to show up on the battlefield. Jehoshaphat has an enemy come against him. He's nervous, he's afraid. God speaks to them and said, don't be afraid. He said, you go out and you show up on the battlefield, but you're not going to have to fight. Why? David already told us because the battle is the Lord's. So Jehoshaphat did what he was instructed to do. He showed up on the battlefield and listen what happened. When he got on the battlefield, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army. This is in 2 Chronicles, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. This is what they sang, give thanks to the Lord. He is faithful, his love endures forever. At that very moment, they began to sing and give praise. The Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. How did he win the battle? He worshiped God. We need to teach our children how to be warriors by teaching them how to be worshipers. Would you stand with me? Where's the praise team? Come on. Are you, are you here? I'm, they're going to sing. I want the prayer team to come up real quick. Now, the, the praise team is getting ready to lead us in a song that I've asked him to lead us in in just a second. This Look, if all I do is is, is is preach this and we go home, nothing's happened. We, You've got to exercise what you've heard. So everybody say, worship. So this is what I want you to do. I want you either, if you're able to come down, I want you to come down to the front and stand. If you're not, then just from where you're at, I want you to raise your hands and I want you to begin to worship God as. A, now, forget about who's around you and 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 you know, just your your chicken will be good in a minute. Just just forget about everything for a second and just focus on worshipping God. Because that's where we win the battle. And let your worship carry you to a point of confidence. That you're no longer intimidated. Sometimes we think we're worshiping and what we're doing is panicking. We're not in worship, we're in a panic mode. Oh God help me! <laughs> You've got to worship God. You've got to open your heart and say, God, I'm so thankful that you own the cattle on a thousand hills and the hills they stand on. God, I'm thankful that you're my great physician and it's you're the one that heals my body. I thank you, Father, that you're more than enough, that you're able to do abundantly above all that I can ask or think according to your power that works in us. Somebody say it's in me. Just gotta stir it up a little bit. Are you ready? Come on, let me have it. You've got to need. First thing I want you to do is start worshiping. Are you ready? Worship with them for this
1: song. Sing it. Yeah.
0: to do we are the army and we're marching prayer partners turn around scripture says that one can put a thousand to fight and two ten thousand. we are the army and we're marching in war so what you're getting ready to do and those of you that are in the audience you do it where you're at you just take somebody's hand in agreement and say we're coming together right now now look be specific about what you're asking God for be specific about where the battles at if it's in your finances then you grab somebody by the hand and say today I'm standing on the promise of God that he's going to pour out his blessing on me that he wants me to prosper and be in health even as my soul prospers if it's your physical body then you take somebody by the hand and you declare with them that he is the lord god that healeth me are you ready all right here we go stretch those hands seven father I thank you God today that we come together in unity you said if any two or three would agree touching anything that it would be done today God we have activated the worshiper in our hearts and the warrior we pray lord as we stand on the promise of your word that you equip us against the enemy that no weapon formed against us will prosper that God in every word in every tongue that rises against us in judgment you'll condemn father in the name of Jesus right now we take back like our families, our finances, our health, our prosperity. God, we declare it
1: in the name of the Lord. Come on and give us a shout. Yes. We are the army Yes. We are the, we our into our oh, yeah. Yeah. Sing it one more time. We are the army Father, I thank you, God.
0: So now, the scripture said, if God be for us, who my friend can be against us? When you show up to a battle, I ain't pulling out no pocket knife. I've got the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And you need to know that the word of God can nuke any nuclear weapon. (laughs) that the Word of God is powerful. When you, here's, it, it's kind of like if you put, I hate to use this analogy, but if you, how many of you have ever put vinegar and bacon soda together? There's a, I mean, it's gonna blow. That's what happens when you add faith to the Word. It activates. It, it causes an explosion to take place. It ignites the Word of God in our lives. So when you go out of here today, sets, well, let me rephrase that. When you go out of here today, you stand on the word of God, come in agreement, and let God use you as a catalyst to create an explosion of faith in someone's life. Amen? All right, do you want to hold that? We're going to dismiss. Stretch those hands heaven. Father, we thank you today for your word. God, that you've allowed us to gather together and love you and worship you. We pray your blessing on each one as they go today. Bring us back here at 2 o'clock. God, as we, Father, Lord, set before you, God, to conduct business for your kingdom. I pray your blessing on each one, your favor. And let us always remember that you've made us the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. In Jesus' name.
1: Yeah!